my take is that if you had to redraft the 2011 NBA draft, you would not pick Kawhi Leonard in the top three in that draft. Jeremy Lin was robbed of his career by the NBA and Carmelo Anthony. Steve Adams is the most attractive player in the NBA. All right, kicking us off with our first hot take of the episode is Amani Fenton. He's got we're starting really strong, starting with a burning hot. Amani, what is your what is your take? My take is that if you had to redraft the 2011 NBA draft, that's the draft with Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Brandon Knight, Kemba Walker, college star Jimmer Fredette, you would not pick Kawhi Leonard in the top three in that draft. Wow. Okay, so basically you're, you're saying you'd rather have Kyrie, Kemba, and Clay. Those are You're putting them ahead of Kawhi. And, you know, I'm not so sure Kawhi goes fourth, but... <laughs> okay, I'm going to need you to back this up. If you look at their careers... Now, remember... Kawhi got a Finals MVP. He didn't lead his team in any statistical category. Scored 18, just under 18 points a game. He got a Finals MVP. And this is sort of his claim to fame, his first piece of stardom, for holding LeBron to 28 points a game. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. And I think, I think if you think about it, if you're drafting for a career, obviously Kyrie's had a great career. But Kawhi's played less games than many people in that draft. I would bet he's probably sort of in the middle of the pack of the first round for games played um, in that in that draft. Well, yeah, because he, he missed a whole season. Yeah. And then he takes off every back-to-back since then. <laughs> Pretty much. As if, you're, if you're talking about building a franchise and you're redrafting this draft, or you've got a guy like Kawhi who, uh, you know, He's not in the top three in scoring from a career standpoint. Middle of the package from games, right? He's not, besides the last two years, not giving you a lot more besides defense, a little bit of scoring. But from a rebounds assist point on offense, he's he's not doing a lot of that except for maybe the last few years he's gotten some rebounds. You know, he's, he's coming along. Maybe in three to five years, you know, maybe you might, maybe he might sneak in there, but... But right now, right now, I would not put him in my top three if I had to redraft. He's coming along. He averaged thirty-one a game in the playoffs on sixty percent true shooting, which you've described as quote a little bit of scoring. Yeah, I mean, everyone is banged up from the year, and here comes Kawhi. You know, played fifty, sixty games during the season, fresher than anybody else. I mean, should be should have had forty. <laughs> okay, so basically. Well, first of all, you, you seem to be taking very big issue here with his load management. But going back to your first point, it seems like your argument is if they give that finals MVP on the Spurs to Duncan and then he misses that shot against Philly last year, we're now looking at zero finals MVPs and he's just another guy. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he's just another guy. I mean, he's he's definitely a good player, certainly a top 15 NBA player right now. Um, maybe top 20, maybe 15 might be high. Um <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm kidding about you, that. You can you can cool it down a little. It doesn't. You don't need to keep it this hot the whole time. 
he's, he's, def- he's definitely a, you know, a top 10 NBA player. I wouldn't say he's a top five player in, in the state of California. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Let's, let's hear that. Let's unpack this a little bit. I mean, if, if I were, if I were to pick a, an NBA team just off of players from the state of California, it would be a very good team. Um, but Kawhi wouldn't start for me. He'd come off the bench. And, and, he, and he's lucky that KD still isn't in California. Because then he, would, he wouldn't even be on your team. <laughs> I mean, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be tough to find a place for him to get some playing time, you know. Okay, so you, you, have, you have Steph, LeBron, Davis, I imagine. And then it's, you're basically just saying he's worse than Paul George and Clay. Um, and so the defense doesn't sway things for you. You're not, you're not all into Kawhi's defense, even though he's one defensive player of the year. You know, he, the, the the last few years, he's played defense in spurts, but he, he he's not a guy that's gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other, at least recently I'm gonna take the other team's best player for an entire game. Well, true, he didn't guard Curry in the finals last year. Yep, which he easily could have done. Hmm. Great. It's, just, it's not not you know just not what he's done, and, and he's as he's grown offensively. You know, that's you know that's sort of. He'll, he'll guard the best player in certain possessions, but but not for not for a full game. Okay. Like Clay, Clay would be my my second pick in a draft if I had to redraft the 2011 NBA draft. I just think you're getting. Aren't you just getting better offense and better defense out of Kawhi? Better than better than who? Better than Clay. If you if you look over a career. Right. If you think about Clay, for some of his career being the third option on a team, but certainly, certainly no higher than two, he mm-hmm. averages more points a game than than uh, than Kawhi, um, and he's, he's a better shooter. He's a little yeah. bit better shooter. I think Kawhi's shooting is a little overlooked. I think you're right in that Kawhi is shot better than Clay from the field. Um, I don't think. He shot better than him from three, but definitely from the field. That's probably right. Yep. Okay. Let's let's get to Kemba before we finish here. That that's to me like indefensible. Now, if you if you look at a career, right, and and, and sort of my my thought is, Kemba Kemba doesn't miss a lot of games, right? Kemba over of of that 2011 NBA draft in the first round, there's no one that's played more games than him. And the okay. only person that's the only person that's behind him uh, that's close is Clay, and Clay hasn't played at all this year. <laughs> True. Um, and, and Kemba uh, is really, you know, he's averaged a couple more points a game than Kawhi, been a little bit more of a playmaker than Kawhi, and I think you just think about the durability of a guy like uh, of a guy like Kemba, and you say, you know, if I'm if I'm building a team and I'm redrafting this thing. That durability is key. He's played like 150 more games than Kawhi. Yeah, but if I'm building a team, get me the guy who's going to play 50 games in the regular season and then win finals MVP rather than the guy who's going to play 82 games and then we're not going to make the playoffs because he's not good enough. Uh, I mean, he was stuck in Charlotte for most of his career. Can you name, can you name another all-star on, on, uh, that he's played with? Can you, can you name two? I was going to go with Nick Batum. I don't think he was an all-star on Charlotte, though, or ever. Um, that's, that's tough. 
I mean, Kawhi's played with Hall of Famers. It was a great way to start off his career. It was a good, it's a perfect situation for him. He could sort of grow into the lead role and not have to rush it. Absolutely. And and I get this. I'm probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm, I'm so low, probably too low on Kawhi is that I just feel like people have created this superhero like character of an NBA basketball player. And I just don't feel like what he's produced on the court matches the hype that people have surrounded him. Okay. I think there's there's a little bit of a deeper load management resentment here that we need to sort out. Yeah, no, you know the load management thing. I mean, just I think he should be playing like LeBron. <laughs> if, if I'm healthy, I play. Do you think LeBron was healthy last year? Look, see, that was a little. Bit, I don't see LeBron's situation as much as as load management last year. I felt like they were out of it and they just made a decision to shut him down. Okay. Rather than, rather than you are strategically, which is fine, right? But you're strategically saying, "Hey, I'm going to play this. I'm going to try to play this guy 60 games this year. That way, he can be fresher for the finals." Okay, that's yeah. just a little weak, in your opinion. Yeah, I think that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think I'm just a very results based person when analyzing these things, and I just look at the two championships and. That's enough for me. And it's like, it's hard to argue you would redraft someone else when they won a title with Kawhi. It's like you can't do better than winning a title. They might have won a title if they had drafted Clay instead of him, but they probably wouldn't have done better. That That's fair. That's a good point, right? But you're talking about guys, and in, in, now Clay's in a different situation. He's certainly, he's won three, right? Golden yeah. State. But you're talking about a guy, Kemba, Who's been on? Who's been on a? Te- who's been on teams that have been nowhere near the teams that Kawhi's been on, Kyrie's been on, uh, Ke- um, Clay's been on. Okay, Kawhi's had some great situations, and as soon as the situation started to get just a little bit worse, he basically just mailed in an entire season. He did. He did. And we don't. No one really knows exactly what happened in in San Antonio that in that season. Um, but he did. They they shipped them off as, as far east as they could send them. As far north. Yeah, as far north as they could send them. And then he won a title and shipped himself back as far southwest as he could. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there's... If if you ask me, and this is another sort of controversial take, right, is, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that team and in Toronto, you know, in my mind, they went as as, as Kyle Lowry took them. Mm. I like this. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, Kawhi had an unbelievable finals run, unbelievable playoff run. Um, but that team, you know, if you think about their 2008 season versus their 2017 season, record-wise, they were just about the same, right? It was sort of negligible. Um, Kawhi missed a ton of games. Kyle Lowry played unbelievable, um, especially in the regular season, to get him in a position to where ultimately Kawhi played his best 15 games of his career. Absolutely. And I'm just not ready to. I'm just not ready off of 15 games to call someone the best NBA player, top two, top three, where a lot of people have him. 
top one is top one is pretty crazy, and I was hearing some of that. Yeah, but I think the Washington Post had it. The Washington Post in their preseason 2019 top NBA players, I think they had him as one. But I think the fact that people love him so much makes me a little bit less excited about him. The main reason I respect your take is because you decided this in 2015 and you haven't wavered on it since then, no matter what's happened. I, I certainly haven't wavered. Kawhi could score 60 a game. <laughs> Kawhi could score 60 a game in the playoffs this year and you would come back again next year with the same take. Kawhi has made it hard the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, he, he, my guy's Clay, and, he, and, he, and for a career, Kawhi's still scoring less than him, so I'm, I'm sticking for it for the moment. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. This was, this was great. <laughs> Thanks, love. All right, next up we have my friend Frankie Lee, who has an excellent hot take on one of New York's very own basketball players. Frankie, what is your hot take? Jeremy Lin was robbed of his career by the NBA and Carmelo Anthony. Ooh, yes. Yes, let's 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 trash Melo some more. <laughs> Give it to me. Melo was jealous, man. This is plain and simple. He was jealous that someone else was getting attention, and Amari Stoudemire actually went on record and said someone on his team didn't like, wasn't a big fan of Linsanity, and everyone knows that that person was Melo. Yeah, well, I wonder who wasn't a huge fan. Everyone loved him on that team. And all of a sudden, he was averaging 25 and 8. All of a sudden, Melo comes back. That number plummets. The Knicks said that JJ, they would give Jalen a... They would match any contract that was thrown at Jalen. What is it? Three years, 25 million? <laughs> it was three years, 25 million, which is like surprisingly low. Yeah. It was surprisingly low. And lo and behold, Melo didn't want Jalen on his team, so now here we are. He's been in five different teams in the last couple of months, and he's no longer in the NBA. That is where we are. I mean, but you got to finish the story. So he, first there's Carmelo, and then he plays, plays with Harden, and then Harden probably doesn't <laughs> want him on his team because Harden likes having right. the ball. Then he goes and plays with Kobe, and Kobe likes having the ball. Right. And then he goes to the Hornets, and what, who the hell are on the Hornets? You know who else likes having the ball? Kemba. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes to the Nets, and they told him that he'd be the guy he'd be the man he goes there he plays there for 30 games next season he comes back he gets injured and all of a sudden his season's gone he comes back d'angelo russell's broken out and d'angelo russell likes the ball just every step every step there's always someone else there yeah the, the, the mellow raptors and he went to the raptors and he was done the, the mellow thing is like i mean i don't i don't i can't verify or deny i don't know but it, it is true that, like, Jalen is the perfect guy to run a Mike D'Antoni offense. And then Melo is not the perfect guy to run a, a Mike D'Antoni offense. And they had it. They had it all set up. Yeah, man. He could have been the next Steve Nash. He was, he was putting up 25 and 8. Buzzer beaters. Dominant. Is there any argument to say that the league just kind of figured him out? No. It's just Melo's fault. No. Even though, Mello's fault. even though he went to, he played on like six different teams and was never as good on the, any of those teams as he was for the first 10 games. He might have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's on every other team. Happened. Every other team was the wrong place at the wrong time. Hey, man, we know the facts. Kobe likes the ball. Harden likes the ball. Melo likes the ball. It's a lot yeah, of guys who like the ball. Likes the ball. 
That's very true. I mean, you're not wrong. It is pretty mind-boggling that someone could be basically the best player in the NBA for half a month and then is out of the league in that same decade. Yeah. And it's also like you look at some of the people who are getting minutes at point guard around the league. You will never, ever, no matter what you do, convince me that Jeremy Lin is not as good right now as Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> so I have no idea why the Knicks haven't just signed Jeremy Lin. I need him back. Um, I mean... Here, a few more things about Jeremy. The, the turnovers was a problem. And I feel like maybe always a problem. And then he, he was never that great a shooter. No. You don't, you don't he like also it. had knee issues. He also had knee issues. But, but before, even before the knee issues. He's never that good of a shooter. I mean, this is all I got, man. <laughs> <laughs> the extent of my Jeremy Lin knowledge is very dated. <laughs> The extent of your Jeremy Lin knowledge is the first 10 games of his career. <laughs> the extent of my Jeremy Lin knowledge is him knocking down that buzzer beater. What, 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 what is actually, is, is the buzzer beater your favorite Jeremy Lin moment of that run? No, my favorite Jeremy Lin moment was that, that, that was how he conquered Kobe. Yes. After Kobe's head. That is the end. That's the answer. Yeah. I, that, that's the, you can't say anything else is like your favorite jeremy lynn moment it's, it's definitely the like we, we put Derek fisher in the spin cycle that game yeah it was amazing yeah Derek fisher never and, recovered and that's why kobe didn't pass on the ball because <laughs> he insulted he kobe, kobe. Mm, mm, now we're now that's a good take the first take is like you know it's warm it's like you know some interesting flavors and that one's just like my mouth's on fire it's so spicy <laughs> that's good i like that Kobe, Kobe didn't want to play with him because he disrespected Kobe. Kobe I love Kobe. But Kobe loves his game. Madison Square Garden trips, and Jeremy Lin ruined it with a 38-point performance. Holy crap. Another really, good moment, okay. another really good moment from the Lin run, though, is when he got the steal and dunk against Dallas. It was like, oh, he could dunk? <laughs> I remember that. Everyone was shocked. Yeah, everyone was like shocked he could dunk, even though his, uh, his like, athleticism numbers are better than John Wall. Right, he's just been overlooked his entire career, you know. He freaking. Yeah, why did it take him so long to get to get a, a starting job anyway? Just a bunch of implicit bias in, in the in the league, man. A bunch of implicit bias. Uh, I don't know what else I could say about Jeremy Lin. Wasn't he putting? I'm mean, 25 and eight, dude. <laughs> his first three games, I think he scored more points his first three starts than any other player in NBA history, right? And it's like not even close. Yeah. The fact that he's not even in the league anymore at 30? That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, really? Really? And the Raptors couldn't play him last year against the, the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, I mean, they, they put him behind Fred Van Vliet, which is unfortunate. <sighs> That's basically That's the only Jeremy. team in the league where you're like, yeah, I admit Jeremy Lynch should not have been getting minutes on that team. Hey, man, at the end of the day, he has one more ring than Melo. Oh yeah, one more ring than Harden. <laughs> one more ring than Harden. Yeah. One more ring than Kemba. She's my champion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Good take. No problem. <laughs> Next up, we have Mike Highland, who's got a bunch of hot takes, but we're going to hear his possibly spiciest one first. So, Mike, what do you got? All right, here it is. If Phil Jackson coached the post Harden. 
Thunder. They would have won multiple championships with the triangle offense in the early 2000s. Mm. With the triangle offense. With the triangle offense, yes. I know it's outdated, but let's go over the facts here. So what were the major deficiencies of the postpartum Thunder? One, no player movement on offense, no ball movement on offense, number two. Taking these together, the whole became much less than the sum of the parts. There were other issues as well. The team had poor shooting outside of Durant. There were probably some personality clashes. And of course, there was Kendrick Perkins, who shouldn't have been on the court. Ever. I think just having Phil Jackson as the coach would have addressed that problem. But I'm not sure about I think the triangle office itself would have addressed the no-player movement and the no-ball movement. Mm. Yeah, well, clearly that, the, that team's problem was coaching. Like, I don't even know if Phil Jackson's the important part of this hot take. You're basically just saying that the team didn't win titles because of Scott Brooks and Billy Donovan. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the general truth, that if you would have had 16 other NBA coaches, they probably would have won at least one NBA championship. I tried to splice this up a little bit by trying to bring the triangle offense into yeah. the 2010s. Um, yeah, so I like that part of it. Because yeah, I feel like... I think the couple things here is like, when did the triangle offense work well? Basically, when you had all-time great players on the team running the yeah. triangle offense. Kobe, Shaq, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. And obviously, the Thunder had one of those players, and arguably one and a half of those players in Russell Westbrook. And particularly with Durant, this is a guy that can is probably the best or a top three isolation player of all time. And the triangle offense, by way of moving players around, by way of moving the ball around, is going to get Durant isolations relatively close to the baskets on different sides of the court. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the key to the triangle offense is basically getting your players isolations in places where they can succeed due to spacing and they know where they're getting the ball and whatnot. And, yeah, and the other case, another benefit in terms of, this is not a general benefit, but in terms of OKC, it's pretty much a point guard-less offense. You kind of don't have a point guard. You don't need a point guard to initiate the offense. So this can go one of two ways, right? Like Russell Westbrook, in many ways, is unguardable with going downhill. But particularly in 2003, 2013, 2014, this was a detriment to getting Durant the ball and getting the other guys on the team moving around so that Durant can have the opportunity to score. So... Yeah, I'm, I feel concerned a little bit about the Westbrook component of this. I don't... <laughs> so the case here is that Westbrook shifts the defense because of his ability to get around basically anyone who stands between him and Hope. And the hope is that by way of shifting the defense, he wouldn't necessarily be able to get the ball to Durant immediately or other players immediately. But he would create shifts in the floor and get it to Ibaka and get it to Steven Adams, and then they could get it to Durant for open shots. So he could, as a way, kind of act as moving the defense to the other side of the court opposite of Durant. Yeah, I guess that that's true. My, <laughs> it's not the strongest case. So from what I've been reading about the triangle offense, decision making, fundamentals, and willingness to share the ball are all keys. <laughs> um, <laughs> So my, my counter to the fact that the relatively obvious point is that these aren't Russell Westbrook's strength is that actually this team 
had been at the time playing together for five, six, seven years. They had good familiarity with each other. From all accounts, like it was pretty much like a college team. They played all summer together. They were scrimmaging when they weren't playing games. They had so much energy. So they would have just been playing this triangle offense at all times. Maybe there's some hope it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, no, the chemistry is a good point. I think it's why it worked with those those Lakers teams and the Bulls teams. Um, last last concern here. I, I feel like I'm the number of concerns to me is concerning, even though you're addressing each of them individually very well. But they, they had some lineups out there that I'd forgotten about. I forgot they played Adams and Cantor together sometimes, which just would. It's amazing that that was only like four or five years ago, and you would never see that today. But so if Adams and Cantor and Durant are out there and you're trying to get Durant the ball down low, I just, how is that working? So I think this, instead of the, the example being the Kobe Shaq era, it would be the Kobe, Pau Gasol, and Lamar Odom and Bynum mm. all in the same court at the same time. Mm. So Pau Gasol is, I mean, probably, again, a perfect player for the triangle because he can pass, he can swing the ball, he can dump it down. The hope would be that maybe Cantor could pass it down low to Adams in the way that Gasol was able to hit Bynum. Um, not sure if <laughs> it would have been that good of a passer. I think Cantor's more of a scorer and rebounder, but he has good offensive fundamentals. So maybe he could have been away. But the other thing is, Durant kind of doesn't need that much space, and he doesn't need the ball that close to the hoop to be able to get good shots off. Yeah. So we- I think, again, what you started with, are we and sure they're better? Offense with Kevin Durant getting the ball would have been better than what the, what the Thunder ran. They were like one or two baskets away from winning in 2016, and Phil Jackson would have gotten them one or two, one or two more baskets. So, exactly. I can't disagree with your take. Thank you. All right. All right. Next up, we got my good friend Walter Clark. He has a hot take. Walter, what is your hot take? I love it. so. My hot take is that Steve Adams is the most attractive player in the NBA. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he's got some Jason Momoa vibes. He, you know, except I think everything that everybody finds attractive about Jason Momoa is just multiplied by ten in Steven Adams. Because, like, instead of just like appearing like a big menacing presence he is a big menacing presence you know got the tattoos got the beard got the man bun he's just the whole package ready to go this is a despicably incorrect take and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why (laughs) steven adams came in the league he was like a skinny toothpick no facial hair was not hot three years later he was a cutie Borderline, but but definitely not hot. Three years later, he gets a Salvador Dali mustache. Is very much still not hot. Two years later, he decides to bulk up a little and grow out his hair to caveman lengths. I would argue is still not hot. Then he's like, oh, if I get a tattoo on my shoulder, I'll look like Jason Momoa and people will think I'm hot. And now you think he's hot because he got a tattoo. And I'm just saying, if you go your entire career without being hot and then you all of a sudden basically wear a constant Jason Momoa costume, that doesn't mean you're hot. Well, I, I, I feel like the improvement is, like, it's part of the equation. I mean, you know, you have a lot of these stars in Hollywood that, you know, their attractiveness increases throughout their career simply because, you know, 
they're part of this mainstream and have this culture of like, oh, hey, I need to look good. And he just really went with it. And he went, you know, whole hog into the, you know, just manly man, you know, bulk up and getting ready to be like a warlord or something. That is true. He does always look like he's going to go into battle. I just don't think you can... If I wore an Aquaman costume for Halloween, that wouldn't make me hot. <laughs> well, and the, that's why we're talking about Steve Adams and not you here, Lev. Oof. <laughs> that's... That's rough. Um, I know you had some other attributes of Steve Adams that I know you wanted to, to get to before we run out of time here. So, so I'll give you the floor. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's definitely, like, aspects that I just enjoy watching him as a player, too. I mean, I'm sure that biases my opinion a little bit but like he's one of the few players left in the NBA that I think actually like attempts to do something on defense um, and you know he's been loyal to OKC for a while and you know loyalty is another good attribute to have um, and you know it would, it would be criminal if we went through this conversation without talking about the accent because I mean that accent is just it is crying. I don't think I've even heard the accent. Oh yeah, big guy from New Zealand. He's he's got the full on Kiwi accent. Oh, he's got like—is is it like a little Taika Waititi? A, a little bit. I mean, like, uh, like if if Waititi was like on a whole bunch of steroids, <laughs> that's what it would sound like. That's awesome. There's this video right when drafted by OKC. Uh, him doing like a commercial for a bank and the whole time he's talking like Kiwi slang and like in his accent and everything and they put subtitles on him of like the American English equivalent of what he's saying. It's just, it's a great act. <laughs> I feel like you don't actually think Stephen Adams is hot. You just want to marry Stephen Adams for his other attributes. I mean, the paycheck doesn't hurt. <laughs> I um, should also note that you are getting married I mean, in the near future. <laughs> not and not to Stephen Adams. Yeah, I feel like that. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how my fiance would take this conversation. <laughs> Honestly, she would probably agree. I, I think she's into more manly men. Okay, you know, like. Guys, even though I'm not necessarily the biggest or bulkiest, <laughs> you're pretty big. I would say your NBA player comparison on the court is Stephen Adams. I actually think that's like a huge compliment. My hot <laughs> it's take: a huge compliment to me, and I'm extreme flattered, or it's a huge insult to Steve Adams, and I'm deeply offended. <laughs> no, my hot take is that you just see yourself in Stephen Adams. And so you're actually, this entire podcast was you trying to call yourself hot. You know what? I, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's incorrect, but I think that's kind of stems to the nature of what we're attracted to. And so sometimes I feel like what we think is the best version of ourselves is what we're attracted to. But I mean, do what you want, you know, be attracted to who you like. All right, that's a good place to stop. Thank you, Walter. Oh, thank, thanks so much for having me, love.
Thank you for listening to 2010 BA. It really does mean a lot to me that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed that, definitely check out part two of this podcast. I hope you have a great new year and a great decade.